Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, July 27th, and we're talking NBA win totals for the 23-24 season. I'm joined by the man with multiple titles. I'm trying to sell him on some best bets. We got four of them in store. Let's go. We're actually hitting six teams, but four best bets. And of course, a brain breaker. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome in for this podcast. I will be joined by the suburban Substack reader himself. A preemptive NBA futures analyst, a win totals extraordinaire. Nice. And the up and coming marketing expert, as we have some big announcements coming to the advantage in the next few weeks. His name is AV. He gets a new title every time he's on the pod. He runs our marketing division today, and he's here to discuss NBA win totals with me already. Tickets that are going to be cashing in April 2024, AV. But I try and bet the board early and often. I try and get ahead of some of these numbers that are already moving. So we have placed in four bets. We are going to go through them. We're going to talk about some other teams. And then, like I told you off air, I'm going to break your brain with a fun basketball question. Are you ready for an exciting pod? I mean, I'm hyped for the brain breaker. That That's what I've been looking forward to all day. Do I like my marketing upgrade of title from accountant? Yeah, it was getting boring there. I think this could really allow me to expand my horizons. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Before we get, before we get too deep into it, it is up to something season here on The Advantage, isn't it? It's up to something season. I'm I'm not the breaker on up to something season. I'm AJ Hawk over here, you know, stone face, not letting anything out. But it's up to something season. AV certainly knows what's going on, but we'll all find out in about 10 days from now. So let's jump right into the good stuff, what we are here for today. NBA win totals and the four bets that I have already placed, we will hit them throughout the pod. They are the Atlanta Hawks under 42.5 wins, the Toronto Raptors under 38.5 wins, the San Antonio Spurs under 30.5 wins. Am I just going to be a Debbie Downer all day? No. The Houston Rockets over 30 and a half wins. So I'm buying the Rockets, selling the Spurs, Hawks, and Raptors. AV, where would you like this conversation to start with those four teams? Um, I'm glad you asked because I was going to try and redirect you anyway because I'm most interested to hear what you have to say about the Rockets. Um, because, you know, thir- I'm looking at 31 and a half. That's, I guess you got it a little better. That's. That's a, a very low number, but I also think that they're going to tank. But I want to hear from you. Let me first and foremost say the reason why they are not going to tank is the reason why I'm on the over. So I nice. love the fact that your public betting brain chimes in with that. The Rockets think and they're yep. going to tank. Do you know what happens if the Rockets tank, AV? No, please tell me. They have a swap rights with the Brooklyn Nets, and they will be sending their pick to Brooklyn. Do you know what happens the following year if the what, Rockets what pick end up in a tank situation? No, it's they, top four to, protected. They have to it's not tank four. two years in a row? Top four protected, okay. Oh, top four the protected. Year, so they want to get to the top four. What do you mean? If they top no, no, four no. protected. If, if they're one of the worst four teams in the league, A.B., yeah, which yeah. I don't think the Houston Rockets are going to be, then they only have a 50% chance or slightly under 50% chance of even keeping their pick. So by tanking, they would go into a worse than a coin flip chance to even keep their pick. And yes, I know in the NBA we've seen some teams tank and do it, but I do not think we are going to see that out of the Rockets this year. The following year, after this season, if they lose and tank and continue this trajectory, they give up their pick. The year after that, they swap it. The year after that, they give it up. The Rockets do not own the rights to their first pick for the next four seasons. In conjunction, they are bringing in veterans. 
They brought in our guy, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, they, they had to spend in, money. They had to. But I, I had to spend oh, money. Yeah. And these are guys that are going to help them win a few games when you look around some of the other teams that are like, maybe going to take the foot off the gas at some point in the season. This Houston Rockets team has absolutely zero incentive to take the foot off the gas. It is going to be a development year, but it is going to kind of look like the Magic did or Oklahoma City did okay. the last few years, where it is competitive, it is pushing for wins, and it is culture-driving development. It is not going to be play a lineup that is going to help you lose. It is going to be, if Alperin Shangun is getting cooked on defense, then his ass is out and Jock Landell's in. Like, we are yeah, going to yeah, do what is best to try and get Jack some dubs. Also. Yeah, exactly. And under Ime, I think they're going to establish some culture here. I actually really think the Dylan Brooks contract is getting way too much hate. The contract's actually phenomenally structured. It's a big deal. But they're using the highest paid price in the first season to help them reach the cap floor. A little intricacy here, uh, AV, because me and you love the intricacies of the NBA stuff. The salary cap and the new CBA that they just signed changed one key rule. And that is about the salary change. It changed changed many key rules. But there used to be this thing called the salary cap floor. You've heard of that, AV? Mm -hmm. They have to reach said price by the end of the season or else they just even have to pay that price to the rest of the players anyway. So it's like if you didn't reach 95 million and you only had 90 million, then you had to give that extra 5 million just dispersed to the rest of your team regardless. So there's a cap floor that the team must spend. That would had to be checked by the end of the season. So you could go into the season under the cap floor and start acquiring money through the deadline like when teams are trying to offload contracts you acquire bad money and take in a pick or something to then reach the salary cap floor that was what we've commonly seen from the thunder from the detroit pistons the last few years this season in the end in the new cba for the future of the nba the salary cap floor must be met by the first game of the season So that Dylan Brooks contract is a salary floor reaching contract. It is a declining contract over the next few years. The reason why they gave him that much money is because they had no one else to give the money to. And in future years where they plan to be good, he is going to be a valuable asset as his contract goes down and the cap goes up. So and, I and team option, uh, team option last year, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that. I, I, more my thinking is, you know, this this isn't a, a front office that went in with a plan, a roster. Like we want to be a defensive minded team. We want to be a three point shooting team. This is a team that was thinking. Nobody really wants to come here right now. We're going to get the scraps. We have to overpay them. They want that also. And it's not necessarily designed for, you know, Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to be the perfect backcourt along with uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. It's more like this is who we can get, who will be, like you described, a good contract, value in the future, need to spend it now. I, I, I get it. I I mean, if I, I you sold me on them not tanking. So if I were going to start with my most positive rocket points it would probably be that i think jabari smith is going to take a big step forward and i think he that, is that one's mine too. i've always been he's better than paolo he has higher upside he is, has insane defensive versatility that is going to work so well with Ime. he's literally richard lewis but plays great defense yeah i, I mean I, I couldn't agree more i think that jabari smith jr is the kind of guy who if he was on a, a real team with a chance at a, a championship contender next year. He's the kind of guy who could come off the bench in the playoffs and be your sixth man, Tayshaun Prince style. Like, wow, this guy is actually good and contributes at the winning level. Which, to your point, I don't know if Paolo is more than the sort of like build your team around less efficient scoring type guy who in the playoffs you're like, is that what I'm looking for? So it's the difference between like Julius. I think Paolo kind of floats in that like Julius Randall, Amari range. And I think Jabari has the upside of truly being like, I don't think six man on a winning team. I think like. Next, I'm, I'm talking about literally this like year. Kevin I'm talking not his peak and prime. No, no. I'm talking about. Right. I this think year. he can yeah, take yeah, the steps this, year. Li- this yeah. year to. It's hard to contribute early in the playoffs as a rookie or sophomore. He can right. do it because of how versatile he is. And his upside is potentially just like, like what Evan Mobley's upside. I was gonna say like the way they describe Mobley. That past Jabari Smith. Yeah, I agree. I love the Rockets. Not only do I love the pieces that they brought in, in addition to 
you know, the Dylan Brooks and the Van Vliet and the Jock Landell that we mentioned. They also brought in Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, steady veteran off the bench. So they have guys that are going to play consistent minutes. And again, I think this is really a basketball culture setting year for the Houston Rockets. They're going to play with a level of intensity. And if that player is not playing with a level of intensity, they will be replaced. So I think that's what we are going to see. And that generally tends to brew up some regular season wins. Of course, I am a line movement guy. I love my tracking of line movements to see the win total go from 30 and a half to 31 and a half does not mean that I'm the only one seeing this and betting the over. That means there's mm-hmm. some serious and sharp money coming in on the over for this team, and they see it too. Again, the Rockets cannot tank because they do not own the rights to their first-round pick for the next four seasons. AV, now yes. let's get on to the unders. Spurs, okay. we could stay in Texas. We can go to the east in Atlanta or the north in Toronto. Where are you going to go? Take me to the Spurs, and during your sell, tell me a little bit about if you think uh, San Antonio is going to end up taking on any contracts during the year and if that affects their win total as one of the few teams with cap space to take people on and get picks for contracts people don't want. I, I look at San Antonio, and I'm like, the way that they're signaling what their offseason plans are right now, like... They had a lot of cap space. They were very much in the Fred Van Vliet sweepstakes. They mm-hmm. were very much in the, are we going to sniff around the Dame Austin Lillard? Reeves Could just came even... out today. They almost put in a big offer for him. Right. They didn't want to tie up the money for three days. They was, there was rumored, are, can, can they be a Chris Paul team after the Wizards fallout situation? So there were a lot of signals that they might go in a direction where they're trying to win. And then... Every single thing the team did went the other way. So they, they started taking on bad contracts and getting pick swaps and picks for the future. So they brought in Reggie Bullock and, and absorbed a Mavs 2028 or 2029 future. They did the same thing with Cameron Payne from the Suns. So they are in that position where they're absorbing bad contracts. They have no incentive to win. They will offload any of these veteran guys to a playoff team, a la an Eric Gordon at the end of last season to the Clippers. So we are going to be looking at those things and another situation where come February, they're not going to be, they're going to be positioning themselves for lottery talent. They've already been outspoken that Victor's going to be on a load management schedule his whole rookie season. I think they're going to try and get him to that 65 games to win rookie of the year, but not much beyond that. They only played him for two games in summer league. So I just think they don't really, they're not pedal to the metal. Pop just signed a five-year deal. Everything that they're doing signals they don't care if they win 31 games this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with this. One big reason to add, I mean, I, I you, you explained really what I needed to hear about the contracts there, but uh, one big reason I'll add is I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the over-under totals that, that you sent me from DraftKings that are, are live right now, and the Spurs are the third bottom team on here with only the Pistons and the Wizards behind them, and you need to be bottom four. Okay, the two teams above... The Spurs here and win totals are the Hornets and the Rockets, both at 31.5 and a half. And both, you just made the point on the Rockets I agree with, and I would make very similar points to Charlotte by why they could sneakily get some wins. But I, I let's say it even is Charlotte, then then there's only four teams left. The, the Spurs are going to be in that bottom four, can be in that bottom four. They're going to try and lose some games. Is Portland up there yet? I don't think they've posted the Portland total yet because of the Dame noise. That that makes sense because they're they're not. And here. they would be I mean, in that bottom bottom. And, bunch it, as and well. if you want to make that bet, make the bet on what team Dame winds up. But I even North think, North but North. I even think Portland's going to be better than than San Antonio, assuming Scoot plays, assuming Grant Nurkic, like they have si- sharp Simons, they have guys way more capable of winning around them than. While than I agree, guys. so much is up in the air because of the Dame trade and who might be attached to that, who might come. That it's uh, it just doesn't make sense to talk about yet. Let's go to uh, let's go to the Hawks. I actually think that's a good one. All right. So when we were texting about these, I sent in Hawks. You responded and asked me, is it in regards to the noise around Pascal Siakam? Is that why I'm betting the under on the Raptors and the under on the Hawks? Do I think that Pascal's maybe going to Indiana where I have some futures bets in and talked about that on a previous pod with Gibby? Go check it out. We did NBA title futures two weeks ago. Um, Love it. The reason for the Hawks under AV 
is just a classic gambling strategy 101 line shopping observing what's happening in the odds and understanding where the smart money's going and joining them because they presented a lot of value so let me walk you through a completely non-basketball approach to playing the atlanta hawks win total under okay. i saw that DraftKings posted these odds at 42 and a half they were the first book to start throwing these up caesars joined them next FanDuel came on shortly after like a day or two later uh Points bet, now pretty much all of them have them. But I noticed that like three days after that DraftKings put it up, when FanDuel finally put it up, once Caesars had it at 41 and a half, Hawks had it at, 40, uh, DraftKings had it at 42 and a half, and then FanDuel releases it at 40 and a half with more juice to be paid towards the under. So FanDuel is pricing this as an above 55% implied probability that they're going to go under 40 and a half. Then I get a two game cushion where I'm getting a f under 42 and a half. And DraftKings had the under at plus odds on their site. Hmm. So I was playing, I was paying a sub 50% implied probability on a line where another book where I really value the lines they set and the information they're putting out is dropping that line two games lower with an implied probability above 50%. So just noticing the stark difference between the odds is a reason why I jumped on the Atlanta Hawks under 42 and a half plus 105 at DraftKings. It's one of my favorite bets and still available on the books. We could go through it from a basketball perspective. We can go through the, is it addition by subtraction with John Collins or is that actually just straight subtraction like the books are expecting? Is it not going to take a step forward of Okongwu and this Jalen Smith? Is it really just going to revolve around Trey and DeJounte again? and not have much else so i i, I mean I, I think i think this is an interesting one because um not as extreme as portland but like portland things are up in the air trade wise there's been r rumors of Dejounte for siakam there's been rumors of capella potentially being involved as a third team in a different trade it's uh, so things could really change with them one thing that i think about sometimes is that they were the definition of a 500 team last year. I think they would tell you that their season was disappointing and, and that they could have played better and they didn't get worse this year in my eyes, losing John Collins, especially to no fault of his own with all the rumors swirling about him getting traded, um, his minutes sort of fluctuating, his play fluctuating. I think he was hurt for a little. It was a tough year. That's not going to help your team win games. So I, I do really think that that's a team that thinks of their, their last season as their floor. Um, 42 and a half games in an 82 game season. I guess that's slightly above the the 41 floor that that they think of as a as a 500 team. But it's it's hard to say. It's also Trey Young is a good regular season player, and he had a good parts of last season. But he could have a good whole season and win you some games. Trey Young's a damn good playoff player too. I think he's he playoff is. stamped. After Res respect season. what he did in the Garden. Absolutely, absolutely. Not and and against Boston this year. I mean, he really took two games off off the Celtics this year. He I mean, did. I think the Celtics then later proved to be less strong than we originally anticipated at the time. Trade did that, but yeah. So okay, it's, it's fair both, enough. It was both of those things. Celtics weren't as good as we thought, and they sort of imploded in those games. But yes. Let me ask you a let me ask you a Hawks question. Do you think they're very incentivized to win this year under Quinn Snyder? Or do you think that it's more of like a Quinn transition, figure out who's going to be part of a Quinn Snyder future team in Atlanta and try and build a roster with that? Yeah, it's. It, I, I don't think it's as developmentally this is a tryout year as that second part, and I don't think that there's any pressure, which is part of the incentive situation, for him to come in and you know be a top seed and, and make a deep run. I, I do think that because of that season with Trey Young in the garden and them being like a 4-5 seed and getting to the second uh, getting to the the Eastern Conference semifinals they get to the Eastern Conference finals they might get to the Eastern Conference finals and uh, um, a few years ago yeah yeah I, I think they think of that as like look we we know we were at, at talented enough to get to this place if we have the pieces in so i, I don't know if it's necessarily were, were they no, I think they outkicked out their coverage, but I, I don't think yeah, in-house... And Simmons took a dump in his pants. They got a lot of things went right. A lot of things went right for them. I think that they got a great matchup first round with the Knicks, and Trey balled out. I think that uh, the Sixers imploded in their own way. 
But I, I also think that they're actually, they could be good. Quinn Snyder's an, a legitimately good coach. Um, th- this one is hard for me, especially I want to see what happens with the trades. If their roster gets better, then it's then it is really hard for me. But again, just because you know, as a fan, I, I look and I see things that I like uh, and what I want to see next season doesn't mean that I know what I'm doing and betting with the sharps over here. The most underrated part of the Atlanta Hawks is Bog Bog. Like I'm such a Bogdanovich guy. I don't know why they don't utilize him more. I wish he was in their starting lineup. I wish like I guess maybe because he's a ball handler and a creator too they use him when Trey's not on the floor but he feels very underutilized and he just signed another extension with them like I hope they figure out a way and Quinn figures out a way to make him like a consistent part he's like a steady 15 5 and 5 guy if he got Uh, the right so but here's my only issue and Quinn might be able to figure it out I want to play all three of those guys. I want to play Trey Young, and you have right. to hide them on the smallest guy. I want to play DeJounte Murray, great defender, who I also want on the primary ball handler because that's where he thrives. And then I have Bogbog, who also probably has to guard your smallest, worst guy. <laughs> so it's like, how how am I dealing with them defensively? But uh, yeah, I'm, they should figure that out. Bogbog feels like a better Joe Ingles from what Quinn Snyder had in Utah. Is that a good that wow. a good comp? I I I I've seen Joe Ingles manipulate the game so many times in the playoffs and defensively, and he's so smart that he's I. He's also had, an insanely good defender. I underrated that. He's insanely that. good. That's that's hard for me, but I but I will say that I think that Bog Bog does more offensively. The same knockdown catch and shoot shooter, but Bogdan puts it on the floor. He creates some contact. I I like the way Bog Bog plays offensively. Maybe I stuck to the race comparison too much there. All right, let's take this up north and discuss the Toronto Raptors under 38.5. AV, I do need to come out with this and say that win total is now like consistently at 36.5. So I I beat that line by two games, which is massive movement. So let's have the conversation, and then let's go with how do we feel about that bet at 36 and a half as opposed to 38 and a half because no one listening to this pod unless you follow me on twitter at fiddles picks and in the sports ethos wager pass and discord do it and in a few other places when we get to up to something season in two weeks um all right uh av let's discuss the raptors and then say would we take them at 36 and a half the way that i'm playing this is lost fred van vliet for nothing you bring in Dennis Schroeder under the MLE, so he replaces their starting point guard. I think their point guards are now Malachi Flynn and Dennis Schroeder, uh, unless you want to tell me that Scotty Barnes is the point guard, to which I say that I'm very happy I'm on the under. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they're rumored to be sending out Pascal. I think they're rumored to be sending out OG Ananobi. Both are because of the contract situations that they could both leave for nothing at the end of the season. So it's not that the Raptors want to get rid of these guys. It's the fact that they might lose them for nothing like they've lost Kawhi, like they lost Lowry, like they lost Marc Gasol, like they lost Danny Green, and like they lost Fred Van Vliet. All of those guys have walked out of Toronto for no return. So are the Raptors going to put themselves in that position again? I don't know. I, I, I think they're gonna, they'll are gonna. they know if they're going to retain these guys. They brought in a new coach in Darko Rajankovic, I want to say his last name is. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. He was a player development guy under the Grizzlies. He was responsible for Jaron, Bain, Ja. Like, they've had amazing development in the Grizzlies. We will certainly talk about the Grizzlies in a few minutes. Um, but I'm just looking at this team and saying they have no point guard. They have a lot of young talent. They might have to ship out their top talent because they're going to walk out the door because they're not good enough, in which case they're probably bringing in more young talent to fit a future mold around their coach. And all of that to me says 38 and a half is way too high. I remember coming into this point last year, you might have been on the pod with me, and we were discussing the Charlotte Hornets, which were at 37 and a half last year. And I was like, what are we doing? Although this team won a lot of games and has been good, this is the season where they're going, taking a hard turn south. So I know we refer to the Raptors and we say, we the North. This year, they are uh, the going south Raptors. So I would smash the under 38 and a half. If I haven't slipped in my suggestion, I would still hit the under 36 and a half too. Yeah, I, I sort of think that they get rid of Siakam or something. The only thing I would say is that I, I like the idea of Scotty Barnes at the point, and I think that in order to get him to a 
point where that's really going to help you. You have to try it during the regular season and fail. But I will also say that when th- people think about Scotty Barnes at the point, they think about the fact that this is you know a six eight six nine long boy who who would be as a good passer and could be Magic Johnson esque on offense. And what what was most exciting to me about thinking about him at the point was the fact that Nick Nurse just wanted to play only six eight long boys and switch everything, and it was awesome. And he's gone, and they're going to have a new scheme. And I don't think that you get the boost from that anymore certainly not to the same degree and you just said you have to try it and fail like yeah realistically oh, yeah. it's going to fail at the beginning i'm totally fine with the long-term experiment of barnes at the point that's yeah. that oh, works for oh, me if he wants to become OG like a be sean livingston-esque type of player then sign me up but if we're going to do it year one t- give me the under yeah, I agree. And I, I actually think that Dennis Schroeder can give a team good regular season minutes and, and kind of help that Malachi come along because they actually have a lot of similarities if if they play that mentor-mentee relationship. But I think OG could be out of there. I think that team has probably overperformed, and there's such an aura around their front office in Maasai that there's just an assumption that, of course, they're, they're going to get to a point where they can win games. Um, so I think that that's probably false. Yeah, when we look at it, organizational signaling, same thing we talked about with the Spurs taking on bad contracts. Organizational signaling of this Raptors team is going youth and development oriented. I would go heavily on this under. Um, AV, the next one that I wanted to talk about was the Memphis Grizzlies. And I talked about this on the pod with Gibby. I'm going to talk about this when I go on Dan's show next week to talk about some win totals. Check me out there. Um, But... The Memphis Grizzlies are being so miscovered in the discourse of the NBA that I'm here to correct it. What have you heard about the Memphis Grizzlies? I heard that Jaws there and he's a problem and the league is going to shun him. I heard that Dylan they wanted to ship Dylan Brooks out and they wouldn't even <laughs> consider resigning him. Sounds like there's some turmoil in Memphis, right? Ooh, some questionable turmoil. things happening. Heavy turmoil. Yeah. I'm going exactly the opposite direction. And to say what's happened in Memphis has actually set this team up for such an insane amount of success. They have the absolute best cap sheet of any team in the NBA. We need to be aware of what that cap sheet means specifically to this season. And then we need to be taking that and figuring out how we bet into that and play a cool angle with it. So. Let me go through what's happening on their cap books. You ready? Triple J. Give me Triple J first because that's where it's All at. All right. Let's start with Jaron Jackson Jr. He has two years left on what he inked a four-year max extension two years ago, which was at the time, just like remember how Austin Reeves got, you know, there's limits to these max extensions based on where you've been and, and where you're positioning and how long you've been with the team. The max extension that Jaron Jackson was eligible for at the time was a four-year, $106 million deal. It was also one of those declining deals, AV. The same thing I talked about what Dylan Brooks just did with Houston. So now Jaron Jackson is going into year three and four where he was on an average annual salary of about 25, 26 ish million. However, because he got paid more in the upfront years, JJJ is only making about 22 million the next two a years. Steal for your defensive Holy player of the year shit. who's developing on offense. A steal. Is that the best contract? In Fred the Van Vliet is making 40 something. <laughs> and we have the defensive player of the year making half of that. Yeah. I, I can't think of a more valuable contract right now. Other, other than oh, you want me to give you a more valuable contract, right? Yeah. You want me? No, 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 no. You want me to give you a more valuable contract? His name's Desmond Bain. He just signed a five-year, 207 maximum extension. That does not kick in until oh, yeah, next okay. season. So, just so he is playing under a $4.4 million <laughs> price tag this year. We have Desmond Bain as the best value contract in the NBA. The reason is because the Grizzlies hit on Bain as a late first round pick. They got him at like pick 28 or something. And when you hit on that pick, you have four years of guaranteed uh, first round contract value at a locked in rookie draft scale price where you're paying end of the first round pricing. So Bain was getting about $2 million last season. He is getting $4.4 million this season. And AV, his number will jump up to 207 starting next season. His extension will kick in. 
which is a huge variable in this, in the fact that we have a window for the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to go through a few other contracts on their team. But we have a window where they have cap room to acquire someone this season before Bain's extension kicks in next season. And then they are over the cap for, for the foreseeable future and starting to pay the tax. So this is the first season where the Memphis Grizzlies are looking to acquire somebody at, at and around the deadline to then take this group to be a Jaron Bain jaw core to a Jaron Bain jaw and one more core and that one more person that they've been linked to they apparently offered five first round picks for to the OG Brooklyn Nets from Macau. yeah those are the for two bridges I heard, yeah. they offered yeah. four for OG they're offer they've been in the Pascal Siakam sweepstakes could you see Pascal playing the four and Jaron sliding up to the five I certainly could they there this team is going big game hunting they are fishing for the five pound bass so they are in the waters and they are looking to acquire somebody this season not only do they have jaron on an amazing deal not only do they have bane at four million dollars this season john ja morant and his suspension kept him on the max instead of the super max that is a 39 million dollar savings for the team john ja morant is suspended for 25 games this season. That's another eight and a half million. John Morant's salary and situation has just saved the Memphis Grizzlies $48 million that they are going to figure out how to spend to get better. Marcus Smart is locked in for another three years. AV, you 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 were smiling when you found out that Jaron Jackson Jr. was a $20 million deal and former defensive player of the year. Marcus Smart is under $20 million for the next three seasons. I, I like Marcus Smart's contract. I still don't think that the defense compares. And even when Marcus Smart won as a guard, which was impressive, uh, he just you just don't affect the team defense as much as some of these bigs. But uh, that's a different combo for a different day. Completely agree. Does not make it any difference that the Grizzlies <laughs> have another preeminent defensive lockdown player yeah. under $20 million locked in for another three seasons. So all of this sets up for a situation, A.V., where I don't really know how to play the win total of this team. I think it's 45 and a half. We do have John Morant suspended for the first 25. We do yeah. have some new shuffling parts coming into the system. And we do have a situation where they're probably going to import a big name piece into this at some point in the middle of the season. And then they'll have to deal with the shakeup of how they play and incorporate that piece as well. However, this team feels mighty fucking dangerous for a title run when it comes. So the way I'm playing this is skipping the win total. And I talked about this with Gibby, but I'm going to talk about this a lot more because we are not covering it correctly when we talk about the teams in the NBA right now. The Memphis Grizzlies at 25 to 1 for the title, you will never see this price again for the next four or five years with this team, with the way that I think they're going to go into the playoffs this season. Are there any futures bets where I can say I think the Grizzlies are going to win one over the next four, over the next five years? See, that's kind of there. There isn't. There is. I wish to God, like I wish I could bet. Will Josh Allen win an MVP yeah, throughout exactly. his career? Yeah, yeah. Right. But I often talk about this on the pod. The way I just view it is, if you were going to like take this bet, so the Grizzlies are what twenty six to one right now, uh, thirty to one on Memf uh, on FanDuel right now. Like if you were going to simulate this season 30 times over or you were going to like simulate what we expect from this core for the next four or five years and simulate those six times over each, then I do expect them to win one in those situations. So I kind of do go. what you're doing, but in a different way. Like yeah. last season, Mahomes was a plus 400 to go into the season as MVP. And I was like, well, if I just played Mahomes every year for the next four years, am I going to win one? Yeah, probably. So yeah. that was that was no my thinking last season. Tied up at once. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I love the way of playing the thirty to one. I even got worse odds. I got that at twenty six to one. Thirty to one currently on FanDuel. Like I said, we are missing the mark, and that's why this is going the opposite direction. I would be contrarian here and be bye 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 on the Memphis Grizzlies. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sold there. I, I also think that one of their biggest flaws was they weren't ready playoff-wise. That doesn't take into account that they're a good regular season team. But I think that the Marcus Smart addition, if we're talking about a potential championship, he's huge when it comes to the playoffs. And I think he's going to get them ready during the regular season. So by the time the playoffs come around, and, and they've probably added that piece you're talking about, which likely looks like either a great wing-type guy who would be good for the playoffs anyway, or a veteran... Um, I think that they're, you know, a different team than we've seen in the playoffs where they've not really been ready. They've, they've played some teams that have been, you know, between the Warriors and the Lakers that have are just been more veteran, more experienced, can't compete. A.V., are there any other teams east, west, north, south that you want to discuss in the win totals, or should I just break your brain and get into the next topic? I, I, you know how much I've been looking forward to this. Please break my brain first. We can come back to this later, maybe. All right, can you just run through, like, all right, start, I'm not asking for the, like, exact order or whatever, but, like, give me what you think is, like, the top seven players in the NBA. Okay. Like, what's the basic list that comes to your head when you think, yeah. okay, these uh, are the top X Joker, players in the NBA. It goes, Giannis, it goes Joker, Embiid, Giannis. Embiid, um, I have Embiid after them, probably. If we're talking... Uh, in a playoff series and they're healthy, Kawhi might be next for me in terms of who I want there playing and healthy. During the regular season, he has to be so much below because he just hasn't proven that he can play and be healthy. Um, Luka is probably high up there, especially if we're thinking long term. Um, man, I don't think I have Anthony Edwards that high yet, Booker that high yet. Uh, I mean, I'm nervous I'm missing someone on the spot that's that's big. Um, Tatum. I, you know, Tatum is high, but he's not that high yet where he's in that, that top five tier that I talked about. Um, you know, LeBron and AD are, are not there as, right now, I don't think, but they're, 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 you know, they could be in a playoff series. Who am I missing? You've named the two. And to me, like I just said, we're, we're talking about the discourse of the NBA with the Grizzlies. In this one, I'm so confused that, the last few years, Jason Tatum has finished fourth in MVP voting the last two. We've pretty much stamped Tatum as being a 1A guy for a team. Uh, he's a fantasy stud, so all the fantasy players love him. Uh, like we, He's been to the finals. He's led teams. He was, he was gone to the conference finals multiple times. He's super young. I'm just so confused how we've gone to the point where Jason Tatum's name comes before LeBron James, A.V., and you just did it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking regular season... If you, wait, let me cut you off. Yeah, if we are talking for the 2023-2024, we are trying to win a championship with this team, who do you want? Do you want Jason Tatum or do you want LeBron James? Uh, it's way closer than you're making it seem. I am biased. I'm a big LeBron fan. I think what Jason Tatum gives you in total minutes and, and availability, LeBron said it himself, availability is the best ability during the regular season. Um, I, I, no, I think, I think still mentally the edge LeBron-wise and when he's actually trying in the playoffs is a higher peak, but I don't think you're going to get that as much as you get from Tatum. Tatum might try and win himself an MVP here. Um affects winning more building around one year one season it's very close and i'm biased and i go lebron but it's very very close what happens if the celtics have lebron last year against the heat oh it's so hard to think of because you build the team so differently if, if it's if it's lebron versus uh versus jason there i, I do I you think i think you could simply swap these two and they the the so celtics just i think you would destroy the heat the, uh, well, the, the, I think all these teams would have destroyed the Heat. I think what we saw from the Heat was so unique in terms of Spo and Jimmy and their effort and defensively and certain players playing out of their mind and the Celtics being worse. But I also think that Tatum has not gotten the shit that he deserves for failing in, in, in playoff series at times. I think that if you put LeBron on that team, you rely on Jalen Brown a lot more, especially during the regular season, to, to get you buckets. I know we're big LeBron sure. guys. Um, and I know that during the playoffs when he's trying, LeBron gives you so much more defensively and, and elevates everyone else. But the, you're talking about swapping them one-to-one. -one, and I think defensively, the Celtics are at their best when they defend in their system with Robert Williams. But, I, yeah, I I, uh, I think people underrate LeBron. Where do you have LeBron on that list that I named? Do you have him five after Embiid? 
I, wow. Yeah, you're, you're are, you'd you have to be crazy to tell me that I'm taking yeah. Embiid before LeBron if I'm trying to win a title. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I think Tatum's the obvious one because on every single list, and they're going to play the same position and they're going to match yeah. up. So you could kind of say, okay, okay, okay. Um, LeBron is still like, I, okay, we're clearly taking Jokic. The, the top three uh, I are agree. KD, Jokic, and Giannis are a tier above. Giannis, I, I agree. Yeah, Luka I would still. put Luca in there. Yeah. I think Luca and Kawhi are both two playoff stamped guys that are like can show up every single night and give you a thirty, nice. ten, and ten. Those, and, those and are put my, them in uh, there with Embiid. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't put Luca or Kawhi or any of them above LeBron. I put LeBron right with them. Yeah. We just saw him do what a forty point triple double in in, in the last game. Uh, look, Le- LeBron is great. Playing got, forty, got, playing they got, forty-seven they got minutes. Swept. They got swept. He played his heart out. I, I think he did have a lot of good moments in that series. Most overall, not a perfect series. Not a series. LeBron would tell you he's one of his most proud. But the team that, that beat him went on to win it all. So that's great for him. Um, but I, I, I love LeBron. I would still take him every year. He gets older. Even though I'm not Tom Brady in him, and I'm never gonna give up on him. And that you have to think. You know, Tatum likely gets better. LeBron more likely stays the same or gets worse. Stays the same for like two more years. Uh, yeah, stays yeah, the same. I think he's going to stay the same for the next two and then retire once he – hopefully. I mean, we all, we all heard know. about Ronnie yesterday. Knock on yeah. wood. So that certainly throws everything into question. I was talking to some people off air yesterday and said, like, was explaining to them the whole situation that LeBron has kind of set up his whole career to – or the end of his career to play with Bronny and then retire to use that as a one year farewell tour moment and then retire. Of course, with Bronny's recent health issues, like who knows if he learned something that he has got like an enlarged heart or like we've, we've seen this before, right? We've seen players go to college, become college athletes and then figure out something that they never knew they had, or it matures as you age and it becomes more prevalent in those teenage years. We don't know. So we're, we're probably, weeks away from like finding any of that information out but certainly like that's going to be a, a intricate plot twist does lebron just stay in la and retire does he go even more years but it seemed like lebron was shaping up to be a two years left play at the same level join Bronny and sunset tore out yeah and you know my dream situation was it going to okc and then durant figuring out a way to come come run with them wow but i think at this point that the durant is durant is retiring in phoenix it seems I mean, we've said that about a lot of times, but um, are you shocked at how low Phoenix is on here? They're the fourth overall team at 51 and a half when I think that, A, most, either probably the title favorites to win, I haven't checked that, but also more importantly, when you think about regular season wins, a big bet because of how long the season is, is can you stay healthy? And when you have three stars, sorry, DA, uh, three stars, if two are healthy at any given time, you're winning games, especially against the bottom half of the league. That's all you need. So you would go over on their 51 and a half? No, I'm asking you about it. I, I don't go anywhere, but yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's a really well-priced line, to be honest. I think it's 51 and a half throughout every single book on the market. I think it's it's a health bet. I think if they're going to stay healthy, they win 51 and 52 games. I would almost like look at that line AV and be like, well, if I like the over for 52, if they end up winning, you know, 53, 54, 55, like what are the other ways that you play this bet? Like there's then do they win their division? Because for their division, let me quickly pull that up. Um, They are, plus money. So they're plus 160 because they're in the division with the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings. But if they go over their 51 and a half, they're very likely winning their division. You might as well just play their plus 160 to win the division. And then if you like, you know, if you like that, then you start to look at, okay, was, is it Booker who ends up becoming and joining the MVP race? And we take him at long odds and stuff like that. Is it, is it, is it Beal for like a comeback player of the year type or, you know, yeah, I don't care those type of that. situations? Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Um, I actually do like the idea of playing the Suns divisional. If, if you listen to this and you like the Suns over, playing the divisional is a good angle. Do you think they're the best team of that group? You, you, I, I, you I do. go right back to the Warriors are really dangerous. Do you think this Lakers, Lakers have been getting so much love this offseason? 
do we think like we're buying into that for a even, regular even season if you if you bought into all of that Lakers hype because they did crush the offseason I still think that you'd have them not only below Phoenix considerably during for regular season wins when you think about AD and LeBron and, and health and and what they would look like without one or both of them but also the fact that the Warriors are in that division also and and healthy and trying to win and they know the value of a high seed so I I think if anyone overtakes them it's it's the Warriors but I like Phoenix to win the division I think they're going to win a lot of basketball games they want to stay home av you see my face right now yeah what is that about <laughs> DraftKings really has his odds of it's called division straights where you yeah. pick the you pick the one and two seed in the division phoenix yeah. suns one seed warriors two seed in the division plus 650 wow i mean it has to go exactly that way but it's likely to go exactly that way <laughs> suns suns lakers plus 700 whoa second most likely way like honestly i like I'm both of the, i like both couple. of yeah, those exactly. yeah better than taking the plus 160 on the division because you're then taking the, yeah. the suns I, to win yeah. the division and then either or on the flip side and then by betting both you're re technically reducing those payouts by a hundred cents on the dollar, assuming your exposure is the same. So what you'd really be getting is a plus five fifty to plus six hundred. Both of those are still better than a plus one sixty. So you can even split it up where you're betting the same amount of exposure. If you were only going to bet one unit on the plus one sixty, you could bet half a unit on the plus six fifty and the plus seven hundred. Still have the same amount of exposure with a higher return. So these are some fun oh. angles to look at. Yeah, uh, I, I think you have it's any be a fun season. You have any other NBA concepts that you want to talk about before we wrap it up? I I think I'm I'm set. Phoenix was the line I wanted to discuss. Um, I I think that I'd have Cleveland a little high at 49 and a half, but mostly I want to say that I have missed our basketball talks, and I am pumped that that the NBA season may not be around the corner, but the like acceptable to talk about NBA season stuff is certainly around the corner. We finished that summer league old time like i don't really yeah. care that keontae george is balling at summer league like miss me with trying to bet any summer league futures or 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 games on themselves it's i watched the, a few of them but i'm like I, no thanks i need some off time it's so yeah season. it was a nice few week break and now we are back yeah. certainly uh a lot of football to be had av maybe you'll join me for some fantasy football type of conversations to be had on the pod could i drop can I drop one exciting thing and I'll keep this rolling even though it's over because I know we know Gibby's in my fantasy league. We know yeah. I can talk to you about fantasy football because oh. we are not in the same leagues. Yeah. We collaborate to dominate our respective yes, leagues they, together. And I benefit from our collaboration for and sure. I know, and I know no one in my league will listen to this 47 minutes into the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> so you're safe. Right? So, A.V., I have identified my one player. I will not leave the draft without this season. Can you can you give me a position? Just give me a position, and I'll tell you who I think it is. He's my quarterback. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. You're you're leaving. No, with you won't. You, do you remember? Do you remember how in I was on Jalen Hurts last? One hundred percent. And with the AJ Brown stack, we talked about it a lot. I was. I, you, not only. Not I, only I, did don't I talk say about it, it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I host a it. podcast where there's the motherfucking receipts on it, so you can uh, go listen to be, it. Beyond if, that, if I have it. the I have the mental receipts. Having you on the phone with me during my draft when I took. I'm sure I made a good pick, but I took someone over Jalen Hurts when he was still sitting there around early. He wasn't there. When he came back, that team was good. I made it to the semis or whatever. Brutal, brutal. I had Jalen. I was on the phone with you, going hurts, hurts, hurts. hundred percent, you were. Hurt. I remember. You don't remember. I remember. It affected my season a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, last season in my draft, AJ Brown ended up being auctioned and going way, 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 way too high because the person who was like who ended up getting him like got bid out of like four players previously, and it was like his first pick, and he was like equivalent to AJ yeah, Brown. He was a Rockets. Like, he had to spend. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. He was exactly. So it pushed me out of it, and, I, and then I was looking at like the per person that I do my fantasy league with, and I was like, "Are we still going for Hertz? Because we we really wanted a stack." And then Herbert came up, and before Hertz and Herbert, we had it priced at like twenty two, twenty four dollars, and Herbert was just sitting there at, like seventeen. So we clicked the eighteen, and we end up winning Herbert. And then we we, we pivoted, and we're like, "All right, we're getting the Herbert Mike Williams stack," and that's what we did. But we mm -hmm. wanted Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown all along yeah. this season. Av. My quarterback is the new Jalen Hurts. He fits all of the same molds of why I loved Jalen Hurts last year, which was 
the easiest schedule in the world. If you looked at that Eagles schedule last year, it was a fucking joke. So I will soon in a minute let you know who has by far the easiest schedule in the NFL this season. It was a young quarterback who starts to run who you could be, oh, this guy's going to get like at least eight carries every single game. This quarterback is going to rush for at least 100 carries this season, A.V. I promise you. You want to know who I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. If it's not Justin Fields, I'm, be, I'm going to be shocked now. Desmond Ritter. What? what? So when are you getting him? Okay, I have a lot of questions. I, I, so, yeah, when, so when are you getting him? I'm, I'm down go? to do it. I'm down to do it for a dollar or two dollars or because I'm in an yeah. auction. I know you're in a draft. Yeah. Yeah. I will be getting Desmond Ritter. It might only cost me a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. I will be getting Desmond Ritter. I will very, 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 very likely be stacking it with Drake London. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. there's no one else to and throw to there. The, I guess Kyle the schedule play. that the Falcons play, I'm going to pull it up for you, A.V. Oh, my God. This team legitimately might go 17-0. And they there's, not only okay, that. Okay, okay. I know, I know. I'm being, I'm being, I'm, I'm going, I, I know. Yeah. But when I read you the schedule, you're going to be like, there's literally not one hard game. And then on top of that, Every single one of their games, AV, is a one o'clock game. They have zero primetime games. They have zero Thursday games. They are one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock. Every week, it is the most consistent thing that a young team needs. Okay, here it is. They start off with Panthers, Packers, Lions, Jaguars, Texans, Commanders, Buccaneers. Jags could be good there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but not scary defenses. I agree, but yeah, yeah. I strongly agree. Not Command, defense, commanders. Yeah. Okay, so after those Lions, Jags, yeah. Texans, yeah. Commanders, Buccaneers, Titans, Vikings, Titans Cardinals. Vikings will be good. Cardinals Saints. will be the worst. The one hard one is the Jets. Saints they have Buccaneers good. again, Panthers yeah. again, Colts, Bears, Saints. Yeah. Oh my okay. God, it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Their schedule is terrible. A lot of times for a quarterback that's not helpful, you need them to throw and be in close games. You don't need that with Ritter because you're looking for carries and they're going to pound the ball. I think that uh, Bijan and Algier still are going to get a lot of touches. So I don't know if he dominates the goal line in the way that Jalen Hurts did. Jalen Hurts with 18 touchdowns in 18 yeah, games. Insane. So I don't know if we're getting that, but I for value wise, no, I don't think so, so sold. So sold. right, right. Thank you. All right, I will not be leaving my draft without Desmond Ritter. I hope you guys join me. Av, you will be back. We'll have some more. Let's do some more fantasy talks between yeah, now and then. I'm looking forward. I to certainly it. will not share those episodes with anyone in my leagues. All right, guys. <laughs> thank you, Av, for being here. Appreciate it, and peace out, deuces.